recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin. This is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. The Hulk is here and he can't be stopped. I'm Anthony. I'm David. I'm Katie. I'm Jim. And I'm Kurt Stan. We have a full house here around the table at the Crimson Call Comic Club for issue number 20. This is their first time listening. We take uh, our club picks, uh, events that we talk about, Avengers No Surrender, Doomsday Clock, Metal, things like that, upcoming DC uh, Justice League No Justice, are a couple of the club picks, and we talk about them in spoilers each and every week that there's a related uh, issue available and then we use the back half of the show to go around the table and talk about the books that we've been reading in recent weeks and let's kick it off with avengers number 685 which is part 11 of 16 of avengers no surrender the avengers are in the fight of their lives trying to end the hulk's rampage but nothing can stop the unstoppable and when an avenger betrays the team can the rest of the heroes hope to survive we had ended last week with uh, the Hulk on a rampage. He's been revitalized. Yeah. Uh, he was like the the challenger's um, secret mean. player. <laughs> you know, he, he had one player um, that he hadn't yet put on the board. His ace in the hole. And, uh, <laughs> and a big shocking surprise to us all, it was the Hulk who we now found out is... And always has been immortal. And is bannerless. Yes. <laughs> and uh, then we had... Well, seems seems to be, but I'm not real clear on that specific point. Um, At least unreachable. But, yeah, not not sure how, how that's playing out. And if he is, in fact, bannerless, um, is something that I've wondered about, because... In the upcoming series, it's, it's been alluded to that Banner will be involved somehow, and we've heard from him as more like that that voice, that uh, subconscious voice in the back of his head. So, not sure if Bannerless is the right term, but Banner's certainly doesn't seem to be in control whatsoever. Yeah. They did have some panels where it seemed like they had separated the two out, that the two had. Um, uh, that brother Voodoo was there and had to choose, well, do you want me to keep Banner here or do you want to save your brother? Choice yeah, was, last well, week. I'll save my brother. Heck with Banner. <laughs> and Banner was actually happy. <sighs> I'm going to be free. <laughs> and then the challengers, uh, uh, opponent, he's been playing with uh, the Grandmaster here. The Grandmaster had his secret weapon, which was Voyager, everybody's <laughs> long, long favorite Avenger that apparently didn't exist. That was all embedded in our memories, except for Kurt's dad. <laughs> yes, Kurt's dad was the only one who was onto it the whole time, and we were just, just buried in our you know history, long history of the Voyager character. Um, but yeah, we got those uh, reveals last week, and we saw the Hulk on a rampage as Voyager, who had uh, retrieved the last pyramid, and she locked herself in the auxiliary vault in the Avengers headquarters, and 
which caused, you know, the Hulk to set a path to uh, track her down and the pyramid. And, uh, and while that was happening, we did have somebody that uh, armored up to kind of put a, you know, jump in front of the Hulk and be a, an opponent for him. And that was the Red Hulk, who was now the, uh, the Iron Hulk. Was, I guess. Was the name, I think that was the name he said at the end of the issue. Uh, suited up in like a Hulkbuster, Iron Man type of thing with a Captain America decal type of <laughs> type of design to it. Um, so that was all uh, last week, and we jump uh, right back into that action as we have uh, members of the uh, Black Order um, working with the Challenger that are left, and then we got the Challenger and the Grandmaster overlooking it, and we revisit uh, Voyager locked away as they're all trying to protect themselves against the, the battle that's going on as the Hulk and the Red Hulk are uh, basically going at it for the majority of this issue. Um, do we have any history, if any uh, readers here, uh, of any like Hulk, Green Hulk versus Red Hulk, if anybody is familiar I, I, with anything? I'm a little anything? bit familiar with the original Red Hulk, but this isn't the original Red, Red Hulk. Hulk. This is a, a replacement. So rather than being general... Ross. Ross. This yeah. is a different original Red Hulk. A different general. Um, so a similar look and whatever. So I'm not familiar with uh, his powers and abilities. Because this one's been in the U.S. Avengers book, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And um, but he's having some some problems with his powers and controlling them. They're not lasting. They're kind of giving out. So that's why um, he armored up because he wasn't sure. If he was powerful enough, uh, you know, his power levels haven't been there. Um, so the hope was that between what power he did have um, and then, you know, augmented by the Iron Patriot armor, that he would at least be able to hold off the Hulk. And he kind of does for, for, for three seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for about two, two pages or so, when uh, that leads us to uh, the Hulk uh, basically. Having him there, lifting him up in the air as we see the uh, the gamma energy draining from him, and uh, we just see basically a, a puny, puny man just uh, in the arms of the Hulk. There. And the, the interesting thing about that is I, the original um, Red Hulk, when General Ross was Red Hulk, he had the ability to change, change Hulk back to Banner. He could like drain off that uh, that gamma energy. Um, it's not something that I'm familiar with Hulk actually having, but here we see him kind of doing the same thing. He's draining it off of Red Hulk. Yeah, and then we cut uh, back to a team of some of the Avengers that are still left standing and unfrozen. Um, few and far between when it comes to active members here. Uh, Wonder Man seems to be, uh, we kind of always have like kind of like a focus on each issue on a different character and, uh, and Wonder Man has kind of come into the spotlight for this issue, which will make a little more sense later. But he's talking about uh, what turning himself into ionic energy to to get there. That's where he's planning to go to help you know help fight. Out. Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, stuck there with Scarlet Witch and Lightning and everybody else there. Um, and uh, Wanda herself uh, basically still wanting to take action, and uh, she's talking about. Uh, Using what she did earlier in the series when she was talking, to, when she, what Vision was frozen, mm -hmm. and then when she unfroze him, then Quicksilver was frozen, mm -hmm. and she's talking about doing a, a reverse. Yeah. <coughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, and then uh, but she's gonna need a, a volunteer, and that's when. Uh, yeah, because uh, initially they 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 thought that they could use magic, mm-hmm. um, to free some of the the Avengers who were frozen. You know, mm-hmm. they kind of have that blue look to them, which I think that blue look is kind of. We're we're getting something into that because yeah, as we you see, see later on, Quicksilver is seeing these blue things flying around them, um, and I'm I'm assuming at this point that it has something to do with them being kind of like frozen, um, but they were using the magic to try and free people, but we found out that there are a certain number of players that can be. On the field, so if they're somehow able to unfreeze certain Avengers, then other Avengers then become frozen. Um, so now they're trying to do the reverse. If we freeze someone, will yeah, someone else get loose? They're 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 trying to, um, and I don't know how they they managed it because they didn't seem to have a whole lot of control. But there was someone in particular that they were trying to free. Um, so Brother Voodoo volunteers himself because they wanted to wanted to bring vision back into the game correct right right. which leads right into that as dr voodoo stepped up and uh, volunteered himself and uh cuts to a very familiar word balloon and the style of vision's uh color scheme and the design of his word balloon kind of like when you ever see thanos talk Mm -hmm. he always has the same design to his word balloon and uh vision is another one of those is there any other characters that you can think of offhand that Get that special word balloon treatment. There are a few in uh, Astonishing X-Men right now. Um, The character X, who is sort of the resurrected uh, Professor Professor X. X. Um, They do that. He's got kind of the reverse. It'll be like the black word balloon with white Mm -hmm. writing. I always wonder what these characters have to pay to get, you know, such epic treatment on their speech, you know. Very special. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But yeah, as uh, we figured out who she uh, unfroze, which was uh, the Vision as he phases through the the chest, uh, coming up from the back, sneak attack on the Hulk there, and uh, we kind of have a battle back and forth as Vision is trying to get into the Hulk's mind. And uh, Well, first of all, Vision just distracts the Hulk, so... Quicksilver can sweep through and pick up General Maverick and get him out of the way. <laughs> yeah, just swoops in on in there and brings back uh, to the auxiliary as they're all. And this is when we, I think, we start seeing, yep, yeah, when we start seeing the little, like, Tinkerbells flying around. Uh, yeah. um, and then cut to a cameo from Squirrel Girls. She's still frozen there. If she was the one to be unfrozen, this whole fight would be over. Actually, but... the way they showed her there, I <laughs> thought that, it was going to happen. I thought yeah. that was going to happen. I thought that Quicksilver was going down and he was suddenly going to get frozen and she would be... Um, yeah, because she was, oh, oh. was kind of looking kind of blue. And well, he, yeah, because he's seeing these things floating around him and I think, oh, that's I'm just thinking, okay, they're, they're coming to get him, you know? Um, but that's that's not what happens, no? Yeah. Then, you know, and they know they have a couple more issues of this to tell, so if Squirrel Girl is free, you know, it would be over and they'd be left with, you know, actionless issues for... The back half of it. Um, some something of note for any characters who have followed U.S. Avengers, um, which I haven't. I wasn't really familiar with those characters, um, but you've got this other kind of armored character, and my understanding is that she's somehow linked with some sort of sentient enigma. Is that what we're talking? Something. Yes. Yeah. And um, and we apparently see the loss of an Avenger, 
And it's done in a way where a lot of people will, will overlook it. Um, but Hulk is is out for, for blood. And it seems that Hulk has actually killed one of the Avengers. Because this is a character that's made of a, this sentient um, technology mm-hmm. and, and a human. And the technology's name is Pod. Mm-hmm. And makes up, you know, one half of... Is it Enigma? Enigma. Is that the name? Yeah. Um, and Pod apparently is killed in the fight. Yeah, I guess Hulk. that's kind of thrown away in one panel there. So yeah, easy and, to overlook. And it, it's oh, easy to overlook because it's a lesser-known character. But here she is. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, so yeah. So I thought I'd point that out because it is it is really easy to overlook that right. that Hulk really you know has just killed an Avenger. Hmm. And in in the fight with uh, Red Hulk, you know, it looks like if, if Vision <laughs> hadn't come in, that he would have killed General Maverick mm-hmm. as, as well. And he's not going to hold too much back here, is he? Uh, he's getting ready. He's fighting off with Vision. His Vision's trying. You know, he's putting in a couple punches there, but he's doing a lot of mind work and trying to get in there. And we've got. Uh, uh, Voyager, who is watching all of this uh, from her comfy little cozy vault, um, but she's seeing the what everybody's going through because she had earlier talked about you know being the her dad's you know secret weapon, but also she turned on him, so she's kind of that wild card that's out there. Like what what's she all about? And we still have some more mystery. And as we're reading this, we're kind of left wondering what is she going to do? What what part will she continue to, to play in this? Because right now she's just sitting back and observing. And I'm not sure at this point if she even has a plan. Um, but she does seem to be somewhat in, in awe of the human, you know, yeah. the Avengers' uh, resilience and courage that even in the face of almost certain death, you know, that they continue to fight on. And, uh, yeah, so we cut back to that there. We got, what, Cannonball and, what, Lightning kind of, you know, a lot of the other players are all just kind of knocked out and trying to stay, you know, stay safe here as the the Hulk is battling on as we finally get close here between Vision and the Hulk and uh, have a quite the, and quite the page reveal. Vision makes a little bit of a, an error. The assumption is that this is a mindless, rampaging Hulk. And, uh... Vision to his skull! (laughs) And Vision finds out the hard way that that is not what they're dealing with. As the Hulk, uh... Well, actually, it is what he finds out they're dealing with. Because as he tries to reach in, there's no mind there to really disrupt this. The Hulk just turns around and Whack him on the head. <laughs> whack him all, just smacks him and knocks him down. Smashes it, you're seeing parts of vision head just shattered. Yeah. An important look going back to Voyager and, you know, how she's watching all this. You know, she's just as shocked as the rest. And, you know, so once again, it still makes it interesting to see where she's going to fall into place here. But, uh, but yeah, vision uh, being knocked out there and, uh, um, and- Brother Hoodoo comes right back. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, he's back in, and 
and it, Wanda's it wondering. His sentence, you know. <laughs> yeah. Here I am again. <laughs> there was some of that too. I thought like the printing was just failing on the page there, but you know they yeah. purposely faded it because yeah. of that. But that happens once in a while when I'm like, hey, they owe me more ink on this book, but I didn't have to come back at the Crimson and ask for a refund or something. But, um, but yeah, Scarlet Witch kind of wondering, not knowing exactly what's going on as we cut back, and as yeah. Kurt's dad has mentioned, you know, Colk says, huh. Mindless. <laughs> yeah, and they're all uh, reacting to that. And just when you think, you know, one little thread is kind of walking away there, then I'll send the uh, Black Order members with Black Swan and Proxima Midnight. Uh, they show up uh, ready for the attack as everybody's still, once again, going after that uh, Pyramoid. Uh, so Lightning and Cannonball, who were once uh, knocked out, are now facing off against these two. And uh, Lightning jumping in just as uh, Cannonball, who seems uh, was about to meet his end um, at that one panel there. And then, you know, Lightning kind of jumps in there. Um, but yeah, we get a battle back and forth as the Black Order's kind of uh, taking some charge. Um, jumping back in with the uh, those U.S. Avengers we're talking about with Enigma and uh, Tony Ho. Um, so yeah, they're all facing up against it, while at the same time Hulk is now inside just trying to bang at the vault store there to get in that, uh, Voyager, and yeah, so we had the, the little, uh, pink swirly, because we had some pink swirlies going on around yeah. the pyramid, then we got a, a different pink swirly going on a couple panels later as it's, uh, going around the block here and, uh, knocking Hulk over, and, uh, we get an off-word balloon comment about, uh, Bruce, long time no see. Listen, have you got a moment? And back at the beginning of the comic when we had seen Simon Williams, a.k.a. Wonder Man, um, uh, jump into the scene as he's uh, basically ready to uh, have a talk. He just wants to talk. Well, well because Wonder Man's a pacifist, so... <laughs> Talking with a mindless Hulk, though, would be a really boring conversation. <laughs> But yeah, once again, just another fast-paced, you know, there yeah. really haven't been any slow points of this story, and, you know, the only time that there really has, it was just into, like, you know, them just trying to figure out, you know, researching, whether it was the Jarvis thing, or just researching the pyramids, and, you know, it was just advancing the plot and letting the readers know a lot more what's going on, but other than that, it's just been, you know... Zoom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the fact, too, it's always good to say, I know they... uh the editor had talked about it, uh, Tom Brevoort, just mentioning that, uh, you know, uh, that's him now. Um, <laughs> Tom Brevoort had mentioned, because they, uh, they're they probably at the point where I think they're wrapping up the you know production on those final issues that we have to wait for yet, that he says everything's coming out on time, there was no delays and no, you know, no mix-ups, no this or that, you know, because that happens a lot with events when you want to plan this monthly or weekly thing you know and then you run into oh it's been delayed and and when you jump into a 16 week event we had to think like oh there'll probably be something yeah i get halfway through and then oh you know we decided we're gonna take a month off <laughs> the only delay was actually us at this uh club when we uh, decided to talk about two issues that one week <laughs> when we had low attendance so we were the ones with delays uh this time but yeah so that's always a good thing to kind of mention too is that uh They've been working hard to make sure the story uh, lives up to uh, their their premise and their 
advertisement. So everyone enjoying it around the yeah around yeah. the table. Yeah. There was a line of dialogue I really thought was funny in here. It was um, between Proxima Midnight and Lightning. She says, I've slain thousands across the galaxy. And he comes back and says, big deal, lady. I ate 17 hot dogs at the Kentucky State Fair. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good line. Um, I have to remember that, actually. So. Yeah. It's, it's always a good comeback whenever you want to, like, you know. Super villain tries to take you down. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think uh, if nobody else has anything to add, I think they'll wrap it up for the spoiler section for Avengers number 685. Now, on to the non-spoilers. Welcome to the non-spoiler section in which we go all the way around the table, sometimes twice, sometimes three times, as we all bring our comics that we've been reading and enjoying and kind of want to sell them to the listeners and people around the table here in a non-spoiler fashion. A uh, good way to jump on to certain issues. Uh, I'll kick it off with Runaways number seven. Uh, the first six issues of this series coming back after a long hiatus. Uh, um, the series itself was, you know, quote-unquote canceled. The characters kind of split up and went along their own ways, but with the announcement of the Hulu show that's available now, streaming, uh, what a perfect time to come back with Runaways in the comics. But instead of just picking up where they left off, so to speak, uh, you know, time has passed, and all the stuff that's happened is some of them, you know, were on some Avenger teams, and, you know, different different teams, and some characters died, and come back, and all that kind of stuff. All the comic book stuff you would expect. Um... Runaways was them struggling to kind of get their family back together and those first six issues that are out uh, right now leading into the seventh with the new arc was them kind of almost kind of like road tripping around, uh, not that they were uh, separated location-wise too far from each other, but it was them trying to go back and kind of reassemble the magic that they had when they all joined together to uh, take on their supervillain parents, and that's what these kids come from. They were uh, all joined together uh, through meetings uh, that their parents would do through charity. Uh, once a year, they were kind of forced to all meet at a house, and even though they're all around the same age, they were not necessarily friends. They weren't part of the same uh, friend group and circles and things like that. And uh, But once they all found out that uh, they have hidden powers and their parents are evil, that's one thing they can kind of assemble together. So the first six issues is them dealing with coming back together, and issue seven kicks off a new story in which um, they're getting a little uh, closer, as you see a family photo on the cover here, as uh, this this does really uh, show off the content of the issue really well, that uh, they are finally back together. Um, lot of, a lot of fun in here, and it's just cool to kind of see them dealing with uh, not only what's going on in their personal lives and the in within the superhero team, but how they now fit in a world where they're not the young runaway kids anymore. That uh, they have to find their own place and deal with adult things and wondering, like for example, Molly, who is the youngest one, she's a, a mutant of the group, and she uh, basically wants to continue being a middle schooler, and so there's a whole uh, story point here of them being like, well, her parents uh, may or may not be dead, and uh, they are super villains. So there's an issue of like, how do we, you know, stay underground but still give this girl a, you know, a normal, you know, kid life, and and the uh, the topic of uh, 
getting some adoptive parents um, uh, is brought up in here. So there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff with the characters finally back together. Absolutely love the Runaways. Number seven. Okay, so today I'd like to talk about Dreamless. Um, it is published by Keen Spot and it's written by Bobby Crosby and illustrated by Sarah Ellerton. And the premise is a little girl, um, as she's learning to talk, it takes her a little while, but when she does, she is speaking fluent Japanese, and she lives in the heartland of America. Um, and they find out that this is because that she doesn't dream the way regular people do. When she sleeps, instead of going through a dream cycle, she actually sees the life of a little boy who is in Japan and is her counterpart in that he speaks perfect English and also doesn't dream. So when one is asleep, they get to see uh, what is going on in the other's life. And this goes on throughout um, their lives. Obviously, it causes some problems and it gives them exposure to very different things around the world. Um, the little girl is determined that she's going to talk to him in real life and she uh, is working really hard to save up money to make a transatlantic phone call. And the big drama that's coming at the end is it's um, in the 1930s, so unfortunately their two countries are going to be going to war soon, so we're going to see where that conflict takes them. Mm -hmm. um, it's a cool concept. Yeah, yeah, it is really cool. I found it uh, just tucked into the previews and towards the back. The art is really pretty. It's so good. Very detailed and mm -hmm. really yeah. finished. Yeah. Um, this was just a lot of fun. It's really interesting. It's a concept I've not seen done before, so definitely give it a shot. This is number one, and uh, let's see when number two will be coming out. Uh, we'll probably be getting it a little bit later this month. So, yep, the official description is a paranormal romance about an American girl and a Japanese boy who have seen each other's lives in their sleep since birth. That kind of reminds me of something uh, not completely like that, but... Uh... Joss Whedon wrote a film that was uh, independently released through his uh, company that someone else directed. It's called In Your Eyes, and uh, it has that kind of idea of these two people that are connected and they can kind of see each other's, and it's not in that sense of, like, you know, waking up and, you know, having it deal with, like, the dream dream world and sleep and stuff. But, yeah, it's a yeah, it's neat. Yeah, very uh, original concept for the most part. So, yeah, cool. All right. Okay. Um, I brought in The Musketeers number two um, from Xenoscope. Um, this is the continuation of a five-part series. And what I was um, impressed with was, or not impressed, but I did not realize that Xenoscope had a extended comic universe. And that's what I found reading this. Um, the Musketeers are a group of humans that have been recruited by um, Merlin and... Morgan and they're come brought to another place to enhance and train to take on um, some of their enemies. But unbeknownst to the Musketeers, Morgan and Merlin are not the good guys that they appear to be. And they are being led on a mission that's not necessarily uh, for the best interest of everybody. Um, and you introduced, introduced some, to some of the other characters from the Xenoscope universe. Um, Sky, um, a place called the Arcane Acre, where which is a magic school. And um, the Musketeers themselves, like I said, they're just people from our everyday life that are taken out and trained and given special powers. One of them is blessed to be an exceptional swordsman. One is in a 
uh, exceptional um, acrobat, and one is super strong tank type character, and they've been trained to work together to recover uh, artifact that Merlin needs, and they have a human city councilor who is their main enemy that they are facing off against right now. And like I said, um, I was kind of interested to find out that there was another extended universe that I had nothing, never heard of before. So interested to look into maybe some of these other titles. And you said that was a five-issue mini? This is, is a five-issue mini, and um, some of the other ones that I've looked into from Xenoscope are ongoing series. Okay. Um, one of the ones that's um, Grim Fairy Tales is one. Mm -hmm. I, seems to be one of their base ongoing yeah. titles, so... Yeah, when you look at the list, like there's always like like a million covers to those comics, and I always see those in the previews where it just keeps on going on and on with the grim fairy tale. Very nice artwork in here too. You know, like some of it is not, um, I would say probably very more old school for a presentation of women in comics, but. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, it's very, very good, technically good artwork, so. Very good. All right. I've got Doctor Strange Damnation number three. I mean, we have been talking off and on about this um, over the last few weeks. Uh, what I find interesting <laughs> about this series is that it has a lot of twists and turns to it, and I think that's what makes this particular piece from Doctor Strange uh, interesting. I think also what I've appreciated about it is lot Mephisto showed up in lots and lots of different comic um, comic environments um, but Mephisto in some ways seems kind of a wimpy sort of <laughs> hero given that he's supposed to be one of the dukes of hell who can control all kinds of things but he's been relatively easily defeated in the past by yeah. Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four. Yeah, he seems to have other people trying to do his yeah. bidding, but, you know. In this one, in Damnation, he is tough <laughs> <laughs> and mean <laughs> and everything else you would expect from Mephisto in the full. Um, so that's been interesting to see. They've kind of beefed up the character of Mephisto, I think, in the Damnation series. He's had enough. <laughs> and I find that really an interesting twist in it as well. So I hope some people are following along. Um, along with that, um, Iron Fist 78. And a, a few of the characters who have been in Damnation are also getting spinoffs into the Damnation um, sort of storyline. And they're in their comics. Um, we get a look at Iron Fist, who's one of the people who's fighting in Vegas now against, uh, against Mephisto. And one of the interesting things I think about the Iron Fist uh, kind of storyline that fits into this is we see something we don't often see, but as a part of the Iron Fist character is that he's mentally and spiritually tough as well as physically tough. And now he's being assaulted by these things by Mephisto. But he manages to overcome that um, through while while other characters in the storyline are falling before Mephisto's power, Iron Fist is one who manages to resist it and go on and I found that um, interesting as well. So I hope people not only follow the damnation line but some of the um, some of the other comics that are 
tying into this. The tie-ins have been really interesting, I think, so far. Iron Fist, uh, mm -hmm. Scarlet Spider. And the Doctor Strange title proper, Doctor right? Strange title proper all yeah, have yeah. tied into this and have some interesting elements. Good, good, good. Uh, I'm going to move over to a trade paperback of a comic that came out uh, about 10 years ago called I Kill Giants. Um, this is something that uh, anytime I listen to a comic book podcast over the last uh, decade or so, I always hear people like mention this whenever they say, oh, anything to recommend, any favorite you know stories, and a lot of people always talk about I Kill Giants, and so I've long since had it on my uh, to-read pile, and it wasn't until uh, here at Crimson, I think it was uh, last fall or winter, when I saw it on the bookshelf, I finally took the plunge, I I knew that there was a movie coming, so that kind of like, all right, now i got to just up it a little more on my to-read pile. And, uh, and, uh, and I, here we are uh, about a year and a half later, <laughs> finally read it. Yes. <laughs> I, I bought it last year at the end of last year, so um, only a couple Sometimes months since I actually bought those things. Okay. But it's been 10 years since it came out. Um, the overall sell of I Kill Giants is... Young Barbara escapes the realities of life by retreating into a fantasy world to fight evil giants. With help from a new friend and a school counselor, Barbara soon learns to face her fears and battle the giants that pose a threat to her. Um, so once again, I just went off through uh, basic uh, recommendations from people that I, uh, I uh, follow, and I didn't even know that premise going into it. I always just like, well, it's like eight issues or so in the trade paperback. I'm just going to dive in. I don't need any other information. Um, it's an all-black-and-white comic. Um, Barbara, who is this uh, little girl who is uh, like a D&D &D player, She's, you see a lot of her strategy in uh, playing the game into her real life as she's preparing for this, what she feels is a real-world threat of giants that are going to attack her town. And uh, she very much is... Uh, Closes everybody out. She's a loner. She's, you know, disruptive at school. She's got the counselor at school that's trying to help her and trying, you know, Barbara just lives in her whole world throughout this whole series as she has this one mission that she's, uh, you know, that's it's un, unknowing to the reader as we kind of go through that uh, she's using the idea of giants is kind of a substitute for something that's happening in her life. And that's the overall sell to what these eight issues are. Um, I read this in a sitting. I just, you know, after 10 years of wanting to read it, and all it took me was, you know, one sitting, and I was done with it. Uh, but just to show that it was such a great read. And um, the only thing I can really compare it to, um, I think it was a book recently turned into a movie, A Monster Calls. I think it was two Januarys ago, Liam Neeson voiced this giant tree monster who's not Groot, um, but it just so happened to come out after Groot technology was popular. Right. And But A Monster's Call, I think, was a like a, a book uh, originally, and uh, I didn't know anything about it. Trailer looked good, and it was one of those movies that feels like it's marketed to young kids, but when seeing the movie, I was like, well, if you want your young kids to know, like, learn everything about death through this story, like... It was such a like grown-up material in that sense that it was dealing with very heavy issues. And I, I get a lot of those kind of vibes with I Killed Giants of just kind of, you know, it, it sounds fun. You got, you know, a little girl wielding a giant weapon and it's just, it's right in the name. It seems like it's, you know, all right there. But this there's so much mystery behind this book that makes it a very entertaining story. Um, so while I devoured that in a sitting... Um, 
available right now at the time of this recording. It's in limited theaters, but also uh, more available on on demand. I Kill Giants, the movie, is now out. Um, Madison Wolf plays the title character Barbara. I watched it yesterday. I rented it uh, through Amazon. It's uh, available through digital on iTunes and probably Vudu and all that kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, the the movie, I think, portrayed this comic adaptation like 99% faithfully. You know, when you're dealing with eight issues of a comic turning into a, you know, roughly two-hour movie, probably a lot easier than taking like a Spider-Man, you know, 60 years of (laughs) Spider-Man comics and trying to... (laughs) <laughs> cramming into two hours and please you know several generations of readers um i kill giants is one of those uh that i would say is as faithful uh kurt here has mentioned at the store he had brought up sin city at s because mm-hmm. sin city comics in the movie are completely like it just feels like you're flipping the pages on the screen mm-hmm. you know and and you get a lot of that vibe here uh, both visually and just dialogue wise so like while freshly have read this it was fun to hear some of the, you know, the good little quips being adapted completely too. Like it, it really felt like a pretty faithful thing. There's only one slight change, uh, not as big as like a Watchmen type of change from the book to, uh, to film, but there is one slight little change that I think makes sense. And it's not going to be, I don't think it would be too upsetting for anyone who has been loving this for 10 years. Um, I just got into it last weekend, so maybe I'm, you know, I haven't sat with it so long and had repeated uh, reads or anything, but I highly recommend it. Uh, Trade paperback is out, so it's most likely, uh, you know, available to order, you know, here at the store if they wanted any more copies. The movie's out there. Um, The only actor that is, uh, that is, what I can tell is, has some uh, fame in the movie is uh, Zoe Zaldana. Uh, she plays the counselor in the movie to Barb and, uh, but yeah, it's been, it was more of an like independent movie, not real wide release that, that way the, the on-demand digital rental is probably, uh, the smart way to go. Cause I know from our location, there wasn't anything within 50 miles that was playing it. Um, but I'm going to keep searching each week as maybe the movie opens bigger because if it does come in the Milwaukee area or so, I guarantee I would uh, jump back into the movie to see it on a theatrical screen because of the big, you know, elements of the, uh, and place haunted. we just had uh, <laughs> one of the doors in the room here literally just open itself. We had a poster, one door closed. We had a poster move a little while ago. It's the This is ironic, and now Kurt just left because he was the witness to it. But we were watching the original Ghostbusters today here at the store, and you know there's a fridge scene. <laughs> I hope nobody has any eggs around here no, that no. I left out on the table that are going to start popping up. But there's a mini fridge that's within these doors in the in the back room here, and that was staring Ooh. back at us. <laughs> I'm okay, okay, <laughs> Oh shoot! <laughs> Too late. No, we all did. Um. So I Kill Giants, love, love, love the book, love, love, love the movie, check it out. Okay, so I want to talk about all new Guardians of the Galaxy number five, yes. uh, it's written by Jerry Duggan. Uh, came out a little bit ago, but I just got to read it now. It's uh, just kind of taking a break from uh, the stories that are going on like within the larger Guardian stuff, and it's just a Star-Lord story. Star-Lord, uh, as we know, listens to his music on tapes. 
And unfortunately, one of his tapes finally bit the dust. And oh. yeah, I know, right? So he, he, he couldn't do the trick with the pencil, couldn't roll it back in. So he's like, well, I can't not have that song. I need my song, man. So he is, uh, he takes his ship out and is riding the star waves, trying to find a Earth broadcast of the songs that he wanted for his tape. And uh, he ends up finding them, and he tells us a little bit about why he still listens to tapes. He's going to record the song off the radio. He is, yes. <laughs> so there's a lot of nostalgia here. And he talks about, he's like, yeah, I know I could carry a thousand songs with me, but when you leave Earth with a backpack full of tapes, like, this is my connection to my home. It's all I I take with me and it's just really important to him and it's very sweet and touching and he gets his song and he says you know earth has been broadcasting radio and tv for like a hundred years and eventually you'll find it so it's really fun if you like music and you have nostalgia for tapes and records and cds and if you've ever wanted to go back and see a legendary concert or performance you know you can empathize with star lord here it was just fun who hasn't sat there with a the- Cassette recorder, just waiting for their oh, song yeah. to come yeah, out. Yeah. 40. <laughs> and then the DJ would talk over the front of it. And go, no. Or they cut off, you know, before yeah. it ended. I'd also do that with uh, Weird Al music videos that would seem to only play at like one or two in the morning. Yeah. And I remember just sitting there being like, well, I can only see these videos if I sit there and try to record them. And then I don't have to stay up all night or set an alarm just to watch a video. But yeah, yeah, it's a very relatable thing. So like a fun little one-off issue to kind of break the tone of the, the story that they were setting up, which... Yeah eventually led into the Infinity Countdown, which is uh, going on. So, yeah, the All-New Guardians series uh, was the lead into that. And uh, it's a a good jump on point, too, even though PR, you know, it shows that, you know, while you can read the Infinity Countdown stuff now, you can still go back and, you know, enjoy some of the stuff that comes before it. So, good. And uh, I think we're going to... You want to talk about it? Okay, we'll throw that one in there. Next, I have The Brave and the Bold, number two. It's Batman and Wonder Woman. I talked about this at the last one, and this is the continuation. Uh, Wonder Woman has been pulled into the court of the Daedanon, which is an ancient Irish people of the fairy folk. There's been a murder of the Fomorian king and the... Fomorians and the Dedanans are at war, and she has to stop it and investigate who, who the murderer was. While she's trying to keep the peace between them, Batman is in Gotham experiencing magic and mysterious happenings in the Gotham's Irish Quarter. And we meet a mysterious Patrick, and at the end, Batman is finally summoned by Wonder Woman to... To the fairy city of Tirnanog to investigate this murder. The artwork in this one is very, very incredible. It's the backgrounds. You see all this Celtic interlace and knotwork and very detailed, very detailed backgrounds and the characters, you know, the Fomorians, you know, grim monster-like features and the. The Dedanans are, you know, the typical um, Celtic, you know, warrior type, and the um, the horned one, Cernunos, the god who summoned uh, Wonder Woman to come. You know, he's a giant with horns. You know, you know, 
just characters are, you know, characters I remember reading about when I was, you know, a kid reading Irish myths and legends, you know. Yeah, you can definitely tell the artist is having a lot of fun. Like, this person was born to draw this yeah. stuff. The writer was Liam Sharp, so I'm sure he's, you know, just based on his name, he's, you know, <laughs> had some experience with, uh, he's taking some liberties with the myths, too, but he's definitely have the background. But However, the artist is, uh, oh, he is the artist as well. Oh, he does both. So, that's why. <laughs> the, the colorist is Romulo... Fajardo, I believe. I'm, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that so, sounds very Irish yeah. also. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was drawing it, so I was like very impressed that he was doing such a good job at uh, Celtic you know, yeah. artwork. But, but with Liam Sharp you know, as, as the artist, you know, yeah, very, I'm enjoying it very much. So. And that one's part of a six-issue miniseries, I Correct. believe. Would be good. That's what I have. I've got the Spider King. Issue two, and I see Katie's got it too. Uh, not from Marvel. Not from Marvel, from <laughs> IDW. Aliens versus Vikings. And I brought this up when it first came out. What an interesting combination it is overall. But I didn't think until I read this issue of the comic possibilities that go with it too. This author not only gives us a very interesting you know, combination of aliens fighting Vikings, but there are all, in this issue... He just opens up to some really comic sorts of interpretations that go with it, too. And it makes sense if you had aliens crashing into Vikings. Um, at one point, uh, the Viking leader of one of the tribes is fighting a mechanical robot, and he's getting beaten until he falls into a cache of um, alien technology, and he picks up a piece that looks like a sword and slices the robot in half, and then... Inside is a little alien guy kind of babbling at him, and he goes, look, an ugly child has been eaten by this thing, and he pulls him out, and he tosses him to one of the Viking women and says, raise this! <laughs> it's just, it was just so innocuous to see this in there, that it, it's just, not only is it just a great pairing for an adventure story, but it, it has real comic possibilities too and throughout there are little things like that where you know these vikings crashing into aliens they have no understanding of what things are and <laughs> amazing things happen <laughs> so don't miss the spider yeah, king it's fun. <laughs> excellent i think that will conclude uh, the round table of non-spoilers for the books i've been reading um, we really didn't have much uh, news to uh, report, but I will do an advertisement for next week's club meeting because we have a big club meeting with the uh, spoiler section because, believe it or not, everybody, the sixth issue of that metal <laughs> finally. Dark Knight's Metal number six is on the list. Um, something that started about 20 years ago, it feels like. <laughs> It's finally coming to a I close. I might die of old Maybe. age. <laughs> it's a close one. Um, I thought my kids might die of old age. And then over on the DC side as well, um, now that they've moved to uh, every two months, we are getting Doomsday Clock number four. Oh, I forgot. We were... <laughs> 
<laughs> we turn back the clocks and turn ahead of clocks and I don't know, all that stuff going on. Uh, we're getting uh, another issue of that out of 12, but that will go on another 20 years because they're doing it every two, every two months. Uh, but this is the first issue that will come out since they did announce that they are going to do uh, move away from the non-monthly. And then, of course, uh, another issue of the Avengers. Um, so, yeah, we'll have uh, that. So there'll be a pretty healthy discussion for all three of the club picks. If uh, if anybody is interested in joining the club, uh, these picks that we uh, advertise here on the show are available at a discounted rate if you're an active member, a regular attending memory you don't have to attend every single one you don't have to have right. perfect don't. attendance <laughs> we should have told you i'm out of here uh, yeah it, you know, some some participation yeah yeah of, you know, and uh, obviously the schedule doesn't always work for everybody but uh but you know that's no. out there if you want more details on that you can ask in store and send a message on facebook we'll be as happy well. to tell you all about it yes so yeah uh we always talk about it and even though we're you know at the end of some of these, at the middle of some of these, uh, it's never too late to jump in. You can always listen back to some of the uh, old episodes that are available on iTunes. Um, and then even come to the club and kind of do a good, you know, catchy up period. Because we're definitely going to need that for Metal and Doomsday Clock. <laughs> Avengers, you know, we talk about each and every week, so we're a little more refreshed on that. It's but... probably why the DC ones seem so slow. Cause we're... <laughs> yeah, we're zooming by with the other ones, but... But yeah, that, I don't think anyone should ever shy away from that. Just being like, why? Why would I want to jump in with you know part twelve of this or issue four of twelve for this one or It'll something? Be right where we are, yeah. jump in. It. Yeah, and you got a roundtable of people yeah, we'll, that we'll been reading. Again. And uh, so yeah, every issue is a ju- every issue is somebody's first issue, as uh, Stanley would say, and we can say that for jumping here at the club as well, whether you're listening or participating. And uh, actually, speaking of of first issues. Um, We'll get more into it as the previews uh, come out and we start talking about what's in there because we're going to start seeing more and more of these in. Um, I do know that a lot more of the Marvel number ones from their fresh start uh, have have been released. Um, so we'll see more and, and more of that stuff. Um, I know like you're uh, a, a Doctor Strange fan. Um, yes. They'll be doing a Doctor Strange number one. And I think this one will see Doctor Strange in space. Ooh. So, yeah, he's, he's traveling. Could make the beyond, Silver Surfer. Beyond, this could be a big one. Going on hey, space, so. I just perked up a little bit. Um, the possibility. And uh, so, yeah, um, there are more and more of, of the number, number ones being being announced, and they seem to be doing some some different things with uh, with some of the characters. So maybe maybe that's what the fresh start is maybe not that we're starting over or whatever but they're doing these fresh takes on fresh ideas on, and... on the characters and the teams and, and everything so yeah once those uh preview catalogs come out we uh, spotlight them here uh at the club within the store and the website or through facebook and all that stuff so uh we'll we'll document that as we go and uh i think that will uh, wrap it up if nobody else has anything else all right, this whole time I've been Anthony. I'm still David. I'm Katie. I'm Jim. I'm Kurt's dad as long as they'll have me. To be continued. 
Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com.